This is episode 67 of the Pregnancy Perfect podcast, and I'm your host, Kayla Geddes. lot of requests for my pregnancy and birth story. So I thought in honor of my baby's first birthday this week, I would record my story and share it with you guys. In addition to another episode, I'm interviewing Nellie Lipinski also, and you can get that episode today as well. So make sure you download both so that you can listen and enjoy. Hopefully that will make up for a couple of the last weeks that I haven't been around to publish some episodes for you. So let's get started with mine. So I always ask people to answer a couple of fun icebreaker questions. So I thought I'd do that as well. And I had one listener on Instagram request that I tell you what house in Hogwarts I would be from Harry Potter. And of course, We all want to be Gryffindor. I will say that. But my husband is obsessed with Harry Potter and made me take the actual test. And turns out I'm a Hufflepuff. I wasn't sure how I felt about that. But I found this thing on Pinterest that says like a little bit about each house. And for Hufflepuff, it says loyalty, kindness, honesty, and friendship. And I feel like that pretty much sums it up for me. So I'm okay with that. And then the next question I was going to answer for you was my zombie apocalypse question, which I love. Could I and how would I survive a zombie apocalypse? And my husband and I have had this conversation before. And if there was an outbreak of zombies, we would just basically get up to the mountains as fast as we could. We live in Utah, but we're from a little town in Idaho. So I'm pretty sure if we were able to get up there and hide out in the mountains, we would we would be able to survive. And then the third question is my last favorite book I read, which would be Me Before You. And it was so good. It was so good. I read it after I saw the trailer. The movie's coming out this summer. And so I got it from the library and read it and loved it. So definitely recommend that one. So just a little bit about me in case you are new today. I am Kayla Geddes and I'm the host of Pregnancy Perfect. I live in Utah, like I said, and I'm 25, turning 26 this summer. I have one baby, Sweden B, and she's the one that I'll be sharing about today, my pregnancy with her. I graduated from college a couple years ago in communications with an emphasis in print journalism and a minor in business. And so I've really enjoyed doing the podcast this last year because it's given me a chance to work from home and kind of have a creative outlet that also relates to my degree in journalism, kind of interviewing and stuff. It's it's all been really fun. So like I said, I'm going to talk about my pregnancy with Sweden because that's the only pregnancy I've had. I found out I was pregnant with her right before I turned 24. It was like the same week. And she was definitely planned. I think I was basically using the rhythm method. I just had a, an app that I was using to track my period. We were really lucky. We were able to get pregnant after just a couple of months of trying. 
My husband was obviously really excited when I told him. I think his first reaction was basically he wanted us to watch What to Expect When You're Expecting, that movie that came out a few years ago. So I think that same night we actually turned that movie on and watched it and got all excited about thinking about what our baby would be like and how pregnancy would be and everything. So that was fun. My first trimester, I didn't have a job. I had just been laid off at the job I was working at. And so I was searching for a job, but my time was mostly spent at home in our little apartment and it was during the summer. So it was really hot and everyone gets, I think mostly everyone gets super tired their first trimester. So I took a lot of naps. I was really tired. I didn't feel that great. I was lucky enough not to be nauseous or throwing up, but I think I mostly stuck to pretty bland foods like toast and Cheerios that kind of eased up after the first trimester was over. We did find out the gender at I think 18 or 20 weeks, probably 18. I think the soonest that we could, we did. I actually hadn't even shared the news of my pregnancy before that, before we found out that she was a girl. So I think the day before or the morning of, I don't remember. Anyway, around the day that I found out she was a girl, I posted the news on Instagram that I was pregnant and my husband spent a couple of years in Russia. So the way we announced it was posting a picture of me and my belly. And we said, we've got a Russian nesting doll situation. So that was fun. And then a few weeks later, we announced that she was a girl. And to do that, we used that like chalk dust stuff that's colored and just took a picture of us throwing pink chalk dust in the air. So it was like this big cloud of pink. My eating habits kind of related back to the symptoms that I had. I was doing my best to be healthy. But like I said, I was lucky enough never to feel nauseous. But I also had a lot of like bloating. And I don't know if that's super common. So I didn't really know what to do about the bloating. It would like really it got really painful sometimes I would I did eventually get a job after a couple months and anyway I would be at my job and sometimes it would get so bad that I like so crampy in my stomach that I had to leave work early I kind of tried a few different things that ended up helping I kind of went back to bland foods again that sort of helped if I ate anything like spicy or just like really flavorful that would make it worse I also tried to do as much walking as I possibly could. I carried a pedometer and I basically hit at least 10,000 steps every day. And that blows my mind now because I do not even come close to that unless I try really hard. But I would walk basically after every time I ate. So after lunch, after during my lunch break, I would go just walk around for like 30 minutes. I'd walk around campus. I was working at the university. That helped just for me to kind of walk around so that I didn't sit down right after I ate. And another thing that helped was just these little things like Tums. I think they're called gas X. They really helped if I ate them like before I ate, then like my stomach wouldn't get so crampy. So if that's something you are dealing with, then Hopefully some of those ideas help you. I would say the walking though helped a ton. That was probably the best thing that I could do to help. And that kind of goes along with exercise. My first trimester, I actually trained for a 5K and ran that like at the end of my first trimester. Then after that, I think I was lifting weights a little bit, but not really, I guess not enough to really remember it. And then my third trimester, I continued walking a lot like I was the first two trimesters. I walked a lot. I would go on at least one walk every day, if not two. 
and I was actually doing a lot of just at home workout videos like turbo jam and they were a lot of it was a lot of kickboxing which after a while got pretty uncomfortable with a, like my big belly it didn't feel that great to be jumping and kicking and stuff but it was at least good to be doing something the other thing that I love doing was prenatal yoga and I will link to the channel that I was religiously using every day on YouTube it's this woman i think her name is katie appleton maybe you've done her yoga before but she's british and so pleasant to to be in a like a youtube yoga class with but her videos were really short they were only 10 to 15 minutes and unfortunately i think she only has like five or six on there but i would do them every day i would do at least one but sometimes two or three every single day and this also helped a lot with like back and hip pain i had a lot of back and hip pain and like they would just get so tight that by the end of the day they just like I just need to stretch them and they get so tight that it hurt to walk around and so that was something that really helped I did this yoga every day and she has on this, this amazing hip opening sequence and it would I felt like it really helped so again if that's something that you are struggling with make sure you go over to the show notes page because I will link to that I think she was so helpful I kind of dragged my feet with maternity clothes for a while and not because I didn't want them. I think mostly just because I didn't want to spend money on them. But it was probably, let's see, I think I was about six months along before I finally invested in a pair of maternity pants. And I hear a lot of people say that like just splurge on one pair, which I don't disagree with at all. But I spent like $17 at Burlington Coat Factory and well, $17 per pair and got, I think I got two pairs of pants that had the, the big, the long panel that came out all the way up over my belly. And they were so comfortable. They lasted me my whole, the whole rest of my pregnancy, which I guess was only like three months, but they lasted the rest of my pregnancy. They were so comfortable and I couldn't believe I'd gone that long. So if you were like me and don't feel like you can spend a lot of money on a pair of pants for your pregnancy, just go to some places like, you know, TJ Maxx or Ross or Burlington or even Old Navy and Gap. They have some really good maternity sections. Go try some on. Don't drag your feet because you'll be so much more comfortable. I got so sick of my pants digging into my my belly. It hurt. It hurt to like lean over. And as soon as I got those maternity pants, it was like night and day difference. It was awesome. And then as far as tops go, I actually borrowed a lot of them from a friend. That was really nice because, again, I didn't have to go spend a bunch of money. So maternity clothes are underrated. So don't drag your feet. You'll be so much more comfortable. Oh, I missed cravings. I didn't really crave any foods, really. I think I pretended like I was craving cold cereal because I love cold cereal and basically ate it every single night my whole pregnancy like as a snack right before I went to bed. But the only thing I really remember craving was ice. It hit me like at probably five or six months, I just started chewing ice and I would chew it all day, every day, constantly. I always had my water bottle full of ice so that I could chew it. And my poor husband, it drove him crazy. He hated it, but I didn't even feel like there was anything I could do. I like could not stay away from it. The weird thing was though, as soon as I left the hospital after having Sweden, I basically have not chewed ice since. I have not wanted ice since 
and I don't even like my water that cold. So I don't know how I did it, but I guess I guess that's what cravings are. Kind of weird things that your body just needs. So I don't really understand that. I don't really understand what ice was giving me, but whatever. That was that was like the one craving I had. Besides my obvious growing belly, I don't really remember any body changes that I had. Besides, I guess, also my boobs getting bigger, which I didn't mind. I should have talked about this a minute ago when I was talking about the first trimester, but I did have a couple of pregnancy scares. The first time I had only known I was pregnant for a couple of days and I was in the bathroom getting ready, doing my hair and my makeup and stuff and started to cramp really badly. Then I started to bleed and like this cramping was worse than anything I've felt before. I like I couldn't even stand up. So I was laying in bed and called my dad who was a family practice doctor and and told him what was happening. He didn't even know I was pregnant. So unfortunately, this is how I had to tell him I was pregnant was that I was afraid I was miscarrying. And based on what I told him, he said it did sound like it was a possibility that I was miscarrying. So he said, wait a couple days and then go in for a blood test and and see. And so I did. And it turns like my, it turns out my numbers were okay. So I did not have a miscarriage. And since then I've talked to a couple of people who said that something similar happened to them, but like it was just implantation. They thought maybe that's all it was. The second one was only a couple weeks later. I think I went in for like a, I don't know, ultrasound or they were just checking for the heartbeat or something. And could not find the heartbeat. And so I got another blood test and the numbers were low compared to what they should have been. They were too low. And so I was convinced that time that I had for sure miscarried. And so they said, come back in. We'll make sure in a couple of days. I basically spent that weekend just pretty sure that I had miscarried, but I went in, got another blood test and my numbers were back up. And actually it just turns out that the lab had like mixed up my blood samples or tested the wrong blood or something like that. That was the reason the numbers were so low. Like it was totally wrong. Nothing was, nothing was wrong with my baby. It was just that they had accidentally tested the wrong sample. So (laughs) I was relieved to find out that everything was once again, okay. I mentioned this before, but my first pregnant or my first trimester, I for the most part, didn't. I wasn't working because I had just been laid off at my job, but I was looking for a job. So then my second trimester, I did get a job and was working. And then we moved to a different city. So then my third trimester, I once again was not working. As far as going back to work, I mean, I don't really plan to go back to work. I think I'm the kind of person that like I need something else to do with my time. Otherwise, I would probably just spend all day with Netflix and Hulu. So I feel like I need something to kind of put my creative energy toward. And But I don't, at least right now, I don't really want to work outside of my home. So this podcast, doing podcast has been perfect for me. And you might have heard me say it before, but it was like legitimately an answer to prayer because I felt like I was needing something else for this other creative energy to go and it gives me a you know sense of fulfillment and accomplishment and and because of that I feel like I can be more present with my family when I'm with my family. I did end up going full term with Sweden. My due date was March 28th and for about 
three weeks or a month, I was, I think, two and a half centimeters dilated and 90% effaced. So my doctor made sure to tell me, like, this doesn't mean you're going to go into labor like tomorrow or next week. It just, you know, he said it doesn't mean that. It just means once you do go into labor, you kind of have a head start because I didn't have to go from zero to 10. I just had to go from two and a half to 10. But even though he told me that I was convinced it was like I was going to go into labor any day. So we like went on a last date thinking like, oh, it's going to be this weekend. And keep in mind, this was like three weeks before my due date. Okay. Weekend came and went. The next week came and went all the way through to like the week I was due. Like Tuesday, I went in for my regular checkup. And my doctor told me that because of how dilated and effaced I was, he felt fine inducing me if I decided to go that route. And like he felt confident everything would would go okay. And I told him I didn't think I wanted to partly just because partly just because I wanted to see what it was like to go into labor. I wanted to know what my body would do and I wanted to see how it felt and and I wanted to let go as naturally as possible, like for the sake of my baby, you know, for everyone's safety. I just felt like that was a good idea. So I told him no, but then let's see. So then Saturday, my due date came and went and Monday I had another appointment and I went in and again, he said like, I feel fine inducing you. And I, I said, I'd go home and think about it. And actually during that appointment, he stripped my membranes. So we were hoping maybe that would help me go into labor. I went home, nothing was happening. I didn't start feeling contractions. My water didn't break. I called him back and I said, I decided that I wanted to be induced. It was like suddenly I had like, you know, 12 hours and then I was going to have my baby and I was super anxious and nervous and wondering if I was making the right decision or the wrong decision or if I should just wait it out. But because of my doctor's confidence in me, I, I was like, okay, I feel, I feel okay doing this. And my husband and I talked about it and we felt, felt fine going ahead with the induction. So the next morning we went in I don't remember, like eight or nine, they got me all hooked up and I had tested positive for strep. So I had to be on the antibiotics for like four hours before they could start the Pitocin. The morning was really slow because we were just sitting there waiting for the, you know, four hours to be up or whatever. And then they did finally give me the Pitocin. Soon after that, I think broke my water and my contractions started getting more and more intense. I don't think I lasted very long. You know, I was like, okay, I felt the contractions. I think I'm ready for the medicine. And they told me the anesthesiologist could either come in right then or it was going to be like an hour and a half because he had some other, I don't know, other places to be. I told them now, let's just do it now. So he came in and they did that. They gave me something to like numb it first or some. They gave me something that kind of made me super just like super woozy and relaxed. But then after that, after he gave me that epidural, I was great. I was feeling really good. My, I think my blood pressure dropped. The babies dropped as well. So that was a little scary for just a second. Cause I, you know, didn't really know if that, how bad that was. And, but they were just, they were monitoring her heart rate and they were monitoring mine and they kept moving me to my other side. And then they moved me to the left side and the right side. And it was fine. I think by, let's see, they, I think they gave me the 
Pitocin around noon. And then by 5.30, I was ready to push. So, you know, the nurses set everything up and my husband held one leg and the nurse held another leg and the second nurse was at the end of the table coaching me and telling me when to push. And and I just have to say, I tell everybody this that I talked to about my birth story, but I loved this part. Me and my friends joke, well, joke, but seriously, like wish we could do this part again and again. Like I wish I could go back and relive this day because I just thought the pushing part was so empowering. I've never felt so strong and empowered in my entire life just to have like, you know, my husband and these nurses there coaching me and I'm saying, good job. You can do it. Like do it again. Just like that. You're, you're doing it. You know, everything felt so amazing and I felt so strong and, and I loved it. And so the doctor came in for like, I don't know, the last half or he wasn't there the whole time I was pushing, but he came in and I had such a good doctor. He, he coached me through the last part of the pushing. Well, he, he was coaching me through so that I didn't tear. So he would say, you know, like only give half a push and then he'd say, okay, just, you know, we're only like, don't push as hard, just give a little push. And then he'd say, okay, we're not going to push through this one. So he basically gave me time for me to stretch down there so that I didn't tear. And I think I, I still tore a little bit, but it would have been way worse if he hadn't been doing that, if he hadn't been patient enough to kind of help my body through that. So to this day, I am so grateful to my doctor. A lot of rooms, I think a lot of delivery rooms have mirrors like in the ceiling so that you can like watch what's going on. And I was not brave enough to do that, but I did get brave enough to feel my baby's head before she was all the way out. And that was cool. And then she was here and it was like so amazing. I was crying and, and my baby was crying and there she was and she was so perfect. And I just couldn't stop crying. I couldn't believe how beautiful and how perfect she was and that I had just done this. I mean, I know people have a lot longer labors than I did, but I think every labor is in a lot of ways a marathon, you know, and I just felt like I had overcome this, this incredible physical journey and to have it end like this, it was just, it was amazing. I hope everybody can have such an amazing experience with labor because I just like, I get emotional talking about it and thinking about it every time. Let's see. So she was seven pounds, 15 ounces, and I think 19 inches long. And she was a lot bigger than we thought. I was measuring kind of small. And so they, they were saying she was going to be like six pounds and then she was almost eight. So my doctor, when she came out, he said, that is not a six pound baby, (laughs) but she was still teeny to me. So they let us do, you know, some skin to skin for a while. And just in case this helps anybody be a little more prepared. I think I've watched too many movies and thought that, you know, every everybody would go out of the room and it would just be the three of us and my baby would just be calm and looking around and it was not that was not the case. I felt very out of my element for a little while because I knew I was supposed to be breastfeeding, I was supposed to be trying to start breastfeeding 
but I also obviously had never done this before. So I did not know what I was doing. And she was just crying. She was crying, crying, crying. I got kind of stressed, partly because I was afraid I was doing something wrong. And I like wasn't expecting it to be like that. So anyway, it was fine. We figured it out. Someone came in to help us figure out breastfeeding. But in case that is the situation for you, that's fine. I don't think there's anything that's necessarily normal. Everybody's story is different. And and I think it would have helped me if I had known like it's fine if she cries for that whole hour. I mean, as long as everything's okay and everything was fine. She just she was just being very vocal. And I, you know, was all of a sudden a mother and and didn't exactly know what I was doing. So again, I just felt kind of out of my element and and was a little bit stressed. But after after we got rolled up to our room, you know, by then she had kind of gotten sleepy again. I think they say they're like the most awake for like an hour right after birth. And then they basically sleep for the next two weeks. If I remember right from the class we took before. So everything was fine. My family was there and it was just, it was amazing. We couldn't believe that we had this perfect little person now it was crazy to me looking at her and thinking like, like I just created this person. I grew this person inside of me. It's like something I don't think I could ever understand until I did it. Another thing I wanted to bring up was people talk a lot about bonding with your baby when they're inside of you. And I did my best to do that, but didn't exactly know what that meant and how to do that. Once she was born, I all of a sudden felt like, I was basically starting from scratch. Like I just didn't feel immediately bonded to her. And I felt kind of weird about that. Like I did something wrong, but I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I did everything that I was, you know, I did everything I was supposed to do for the next few days. And I basically did everything I could to, to do the, to begin this bonding process. And after a couple days, I was just sobbing. It was probably probably baby blues too, but my husband looked at me and he said, did you just fall in love with her today? And I did. And I, I, it, I mean, it took a couple days for me to like, feel like this was my tiny little person. This was my daughter. This is the person I am responsible for protecting and, and caring for and everything. It took a couple days for me to really 100% feel that. And then I did. And, and it was awesome. We did decide to breastfeed. We are still doing that actually. And it's been a really good experience. She's been a good eater from day one, basically. And it's been excellent for bonding. It was it was especially amazing at the beginning. I think I was really sensitive to those hormones, you know, that they talk about that you get when breastfeeding that help you bond with your baby. And I haven't talked to anybody else that's felt this. So if you have, tell me, because I would love to know. I would, you know, sit down to feed her and literally could like feel the rush of hormones, like this, these like feel good hormones, like flood my body. And it was awesome. I don't even know how else to explain it, but I would just feel so like overcome with happiness and love for this little baby. And I hope that everybody feels that we've loved breastfeeding. And I, don't have immediate plans of stopping unless she doesn't stop biting me, which she's been doing for the last couple months. And I haven't figured out how to stop her from doing that. But I mean, I plan to continue for a little while longer. 
Let's see. Oh, I didn't mention her full name and how he chose it. Her full name is Sweden B. Geddes. It's Sweden like the country and then B like bumblebee. Sweden, we came up with, I got it from a book I read a few years ago called Peace Like a River. The name of the main character's little sister, the main character is like a 10 year old boy and his little sister is like, I don't know, eight. I just, I loved her character. I thought she was so sweet and and her name in the book is actually Swede. I don't have any idea if that's short for Sweden. But so I brought that up to my husband and I said, what about Swede? I love that. And and he liked it, but he also thought it kind of sounded like a nickname. So we decided to go with Sweden and then call her Swede if we wanted to. That's how we came up with Sweden. And then B, I, I had just been looking for middle names and trying to come up with something and nothing felt quite right. And then I... I don't remember. I guess maybe I just found it. I don't know on the internet on a baby name list. I don't know, but I saw B and put it with Sweden and just loved the combination. I thought with kind of a different quirky first name, I felt like she needed like an unconventional middle name as well, just to kind of go with it. I also wanted to talk a little bit about like postpartum recovery and realities. We had one I had one listener request that we talk more about that, which I think is awesome because I think it gets overlooked sometimes. I did have the baby blues for a little while and actually didn't realize it, but it extended for a while. And at one point I realized that I had like cried every day for the last like week and not just like a couple tears. It was like, I would drive my baby, we'd drive to pick up my husband from work or something. And I would just, I mean, Sweden would be in the back crying for whatever reason. And I would just sob with her the whole way there. And, and there were times when I just felt like so stressed or so like, I remember thinking, how am I ever going to get to a point where I want another baby? And don't get me wrong. I love my baby. And I, I was, I'm like, I'm so grateful I get to stay home and take care of her and be the one to raise her. But I was just having these feelings like I don't know how I'm ever going to get to a point where I like feel ready for another baby. And I did not like having those feelings because I've always wanted more than one baby. And and I felt like I was being negative and and I I just didn't want to be feeling like that. So I talked to my dad, who I think I said earlier is um, a doctor and told him what was going on and and that I was like what, what I was thinking and what these feelings were that I was having. And he he said it sounded like I could benefit from being on some like antidepressant medication or anti-anxiety or something like that. I had never taken anything like that before, but I just said, if you think that will help, I call it in for me because I need something to change. I felt like I was doing everything I could and, and I just wasn't getting to a point where I was feeling really happy. And so I just wanted to mention that because... I don't know. I don't hear very many people talk about it and I just don't want anyone to feel like it should be a secret or something to be embarrassed about. I got the medication they called in for me and it has made a world of difference. I was amazed at how different I felt and how good I felt as soon as I started taking those. So I encourage you if you are feeling that way or if you do feel like that when, you know, after you have your baby, go get help. It's okay. And the stuff really can help. Physically, as far as recovery goes, I, I had a really good 
recovery. I mean, I was ready to get up and start going on walks like within a couple of weeks. And by the six week mark, I think I actually got permission to start exercising like at the gym earlier than six weeks because I just, I felt totally ready. And anyway, I know everybody's not like that, but that was the case for me. The hardest thing about being pregnant for me, I think was probably the hip and back pain. I, on the one hand, it probably kept me walking and standing more than sitting, which was a good thing, but that was really hard. I would wake up in the night and not be able to go back to sleep because my hips hurt. And one thing that really helped with that though, was the snoogle that like C-shaped pillow. I think my husband got it from like Amazon, but he bought that for me and I loved it. I would recommend that. I think my favorite part, well, one of my favorite parts was feeling my baby move. It can get uncomfortable sometimes, you know, and even hurt sometimes when they kick you really hard. But I was just always, if I didn't feel her, I was poking and, you know, pushing on my stomach to get her to move because I knew that if she was moving, that meant she was okay. So I loved that. But also, I know this isn't pregnancy technically, but I think my favorite part was labor and delivery. Oh, and I think I forgot to say her birthday, but she was born March 31st, 2015. So if you are listening to this today on Wednesday, the day that I publish, her birthday is tomorrow. Something that I would tell other moms just as far as advice goes, I wish I had kind of kept better track of the day that I gave birth. A lot of it is kind of a blur. So I don't really remember the timeline that well. And I wish I would have taken notes or had my husband take notes on his phone. Just, okay, like nine o'clock we got here. And then what time I was given the Pitocin and how long I actually went feeling these really strong contractions before I got the epidural and stuff like that. And related to that, I have also not been super great at journaling since Sweden has been born. And I of course, regret that. But something I've realized that's really easy just for milestones is just keeping a list in my phone, just in the notes app of little milestones. Like she just got all four of her top teeth suddenly, like a couple of weeks ago. And so I put that in there, but you know, just so you don't want to forget like how old they were when they started crawling or how old they were when they got their first tooth. And you know, it doesn't have to be a big deal to keep track of that stuff. So for now, I'm just at the very least trying to keep this list in my phone so that I can remember these big milestones. And as far as what I'm most excited about next in my life, I'm just excited to continue with the podcast and hopefully kind of evolve it and continue to to make it into something that is you know, relevant and interesting for you. And I am also just so excited to keep watching my baby grow. It, it's been so fun this last year to watch her grow and and see her get more interested in different things around her and, you know, excited to do certain things. And it seems like every day she's learning something new. It's almost hard to keep up with her with how fast they learn And that's just been really fun. This week, we're moving into a new house just a few miles away, just in a different city. It's a little house with a yard. And we're excited to spend all summer in our backyard and have fun with our little baby who will be walking soon, I think. And more babies in the future for us. I hope there are more babies in the future for us. 
thank you for being here with me today and listening to my episode and for your support and your patience. Like I have already mentioned, especially the last couple of weeks as I took a little spring break and spent some time with my family. And thank you so much. Don't forget to go follow me on Instagram. I'm at Pregnancy Perfect. And if you have any questions or comments or people you want to nominate or topics you want us to cover, you know, whatever, let me know. Just email me or you can message me on Instagram. My email is Kayla at PregnancyPerfect.com. And I love, I really love hearing from people and I do my best to answer back. It might not be the same day, but I do my best to reply. So I'd love to hear from you if you have anything to, to say. Also, I'm going to post pictures of me and my little family on Instagram or well, Instagram too, but on my show notes page, I will post my answers to the fun fact questions just like I do for every other guest. So if you want to know how tall I am or what my first job as a teenager was or a good time when Sweden embarrassed me in public, even though she's only almost one, it happened. I can think of the one I'm going to write. So if you're interested in hearing any of that, make sure you go over to my show notes page and that is pregnancyperfect.com slash Kayla Geddes and that is spelled K-A-Y-L-A-G-E-D-D-E-S. today's show please tell a friend give us a rating on itunes and consider subscribing so that you don't miss an episode looking forward to the next bump day where you'll hear another awesome pregnancy story and until then thanks for spending this last hour with me and take care This has been a Pregnancy Perfect production. Information and materials contained in this episode are presented for entertainment purposes only. Statements and opinions expressed in this episode are not necessarily those of Pregnancy Perfect and should not be considered facts. For such information in which areas are related to be accurate, it is not intended to replace or substitute for professional medical advice or care and should not be used for diagnosing or treating healthcare problems or diseases or prescribing any medications. If you have any questions or concerns regarding your physical or mental health or the health of your baby, please seek assistance from a qualified healthcare provider.